Can y'all hear me? Got my microphone on. There we go. Y'all go ahead and open up to the book of Luke. We are still walking through it. And in about 15 years, we'll be able to move on to something else. But for now, we're in the book of Luke, chapter 6. And I'm excited this morning, as I am every morning. But I'm a little more excited today because, once again, this has been a text that's been hard for me this week. All right? Um, And so, on the count of three, here's what I want you all to do for me. On the count of three, I want you to tell me something out loud that you love. Okay? I mean, you absolutely love. And I'm going to go ahead and say, don't say Jesus. Don't use the church answer. Okay? I'm just going to go ahead and assume that all of us love Jesus. Right? So, something other than Jesus. What is something that you absolutely love? Ready? One, two, three. Cheesecake. Okay? I'm used to hearing tacos, right? So I'm glad I heard cheesecake, right? So today's, in today's world, the word love is super misused. Um, it's abused over and over again. Um, you, you hear things like, I love cheesecake, I love my wife. Those, are, those should be two different types of love, right? I should love my wife a little more than I love Red Bull, right? Um, and so, but we, we use... Um, we abuse this word love. And, and even in our culture today, especially here in America, love, even in today's world, has these barriers of how much you can love, who you can love, who deserves your love, and who doesn't deserve your love. Right? And, and so what we're going to read today is Jesus kind of has this different mindset, this different attitude, and these different barriers on what love actually is. Right, the kingdom of God and the kingdom's mindset versus today's world's mindset, love is way different. Um, matter of fact, some of us might get offended by what Jesus says love is and who it is that we're called to love. And so if you're offended, praise God. <laughs> it's not me, it's the Lord. So let's pray. And uh, I'm excited to dig in with you guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just praise you for what you're doing in our church, uh, what you're doing in our lives, how you're transforming us. Um, But Jesus, I pray that as we read your words about love and who it is that we are called to love, God, I pray that you would show us the areas in our hearts um, that maybe we're holding grudges against people. God, that maybe um, when we look at our enemies, we, we don't have grace for them anymore. God, I pray that you remind us of how you used to look at us when we were your enemies and you loved us anyways, God. And like Camille said, we we can't fill those skies with how good you are. We can't write enough words. We can't sing enough songs. We can't do enough things to reflect how good you are to us, God. So God, I pray that as we look into your scripture and we hear your command to love, that we would do it. That you would give us the supernatural Holy Spirit ability to love people in this world. God, we love you. To sons and we pray. Amen. Alright. Y'all ready? <laughs> Apparently not. Y'all ready? Yeah. Okay. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. This is Jesus. Remember, he's doing his ministry. He's coming to love and to reach and to serve the lost people, right? And so now he's sitting with his disciples. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. We're going to be here for a couple more weeks. And Jesus, in his middle of his sermon, stops and goes, But I say to you who hear. Okay, and time and time again, you're going to see Jesus say this, this kind of phrase. For those of you who have ears, listen. If, to those who hear me. And why Jesus says that, and why he continuously says those who hear me, is because we can hear God's word and not listen. Amen? 
And so Jesus is going, this is hard. What I'm about to say is going to be hard. It's not going to be natural. So for those of you who actually hear me, I'm with you. And so y'all ready to hear a word from the Lord? Okay. I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Okay. So right off the bat. Jesus comes in swinging, right? He, he says, love your enemies. And this is, do you see how he's combating our natural mindset? Love your enemies, right? Because I, I don't know about you. I grew up, if you have an enemy, you don't love that enemy, right? And someone trying to fight you, you fight them back. You, who has an enemy? Raise your hand. Don't lie to me now. Come on. Okay, how about this? How many of you have frenemies? A friend that's your enemy. Yes, every single one of you should be raising your hand. You have someone in your life that drives you back crazy, right? And so Jesus comes in and he literally instantly flips upside down what we think about love and who it is we're supposed to be loved. Love your enemies. That's not natural. And what happens is Jesus literally just gave us something that's impossible to do. Right? Jesus, time and time again, he says these crazy, kooky ideas like, you're blessed if you are poor. Right? You guys remember that, right? Cursed if, you, if you're rich. And then he's saying, love your enemies. Jesus, that's impossible. Right? How can I love my enemies? You kook. Right? Does anyone know what a kook is? That's California slang. I hope some of you picked that up here. And I, I wish one of you would say kook in your regular vocabulary. Right? But Jesus, he gives us this impossible task. Love our enemies, but he doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us three initiatives of how we can um, take love and extend it to our enemies. You guys ready? Look at verse 27 again. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. So he gives us three initiatives that all Christians, if you're a Christian in here today, these are three initiatives that Jesus commands us. These aren't suggestions. These aren't, hey, if, you, uh, if someone hates you, try to do something good for them. If someone curses you, try to say something nice to them. If someone abuses you, uh, pray for them. Maybe that will work. This is a command from the commander. Did y'all see that? These are not suggestions. There's no stipulations. There's not, if they abuse you to a certain point, then you stop praying for them. No. Those who hate you, do good. Those who curse you, you bless them. If they abuse you, you pray for them. These are three action initiatives that Jesus is commanding us to do. So this first one, it says, do good to those who hate you. And I have a perfect example of this, okay? So in Texas, right, I did skateboarding ministry. We built a big skate park at our church. And right behind, I mean, literally, there's a a brick fence that separates the skate park and an apartment complex. So when we were building this skate park, we told them, hey, there's going to be a bunch of wild skateboarders here three nights out of the week. There's going to be music playing, but we're going to be doing Bible studies. And everyone was cool with that idea, except for one older man who lived on the top floor that could see directly into the skate park, okay? His name was Jim, okay? Jim hated us, absolutely thrived on hating skateboarding and skaters. He was older, he lived alone, he was very negative. If we fell down, he would sit on his porch looking down over the skate park, and if I fell, he laughed. Not just like, haha, I'm talking hysterically, laughing and pointing, saying, you suck, 
Okay? I mean, he hated us. If the kids were talking, he would hate us. He would say, I hate that music. I hate skateboarding. He would literally call the cops on us during Bible study. Okay? And so I, I have to go, here's, here's a cool teaching moment for my skaters, right? Here, here's a cool, uh, so I, I kind of pulled them all together, right? And I'm trying to do skateboarding ministry. Didn't know really what that meant, right? Just trying to love on these skateboarders. They're all a bunch of hood rats. I said, okay, guys, what can we do to change this old man's mind about what we're doing down here? And one of them, okay, no lie, said, my mom just bought a whole crate of eggs. Let's egg him when he comes out of his door. And then instantly in that circle, yeah, let's egg him. Yeah, let's egg him. I know I can hit him right in the forehead from right here, right? Do you see the natural mind state of what love and who it is that we're supposed to love being played out? Let's egg the old man. Who does that, right? A bunch of skaters. Okay, so I say, cool, let's, let's refocus our hearts. Let's refocus what we're trying to do out here. How can we, or what can we do for this old man? And one of the younger skaters, which is awesome, he says, man, it's hot out here. What if I ran him up some water? I said, absolutely. And, and, and so one by one, each skater started doing something nice to this older man. And, and it wasn't right away that this guy's changed, but until we started taking the initiative to do good to those who hate you, he hated us. But once he started seeing what we were about and who we were about, that we weren't about just being punk skateboarders. We were about coming together and learning about Jesus Christ. And once he started seeing the love that these young kids had for him, his heart began to change. And then one day I said, let's go pray for the old man. And we went up there, and not all these skaters are Christian, but we went up there and we said, how can we pray for you, old man Jim? And he broke down crying. And from that day forward, he was our biggest Advocate. Anytime he came out on the porch, he was hooping and hollering and shouting and praising. Anytime we landed a trick, if we fall, he said, get up, young man, you can do it. And he prayed for us during some of our Bible studies. I want you to see, Jesus said, to those who hate you, do good. You have to see how unnatural this is and realize that Jesus will empower you to do so. That's hard. It's hard to love someone who hates you. You have a crazy neighbor who hates you. Literally, just, if you feel like they, like they just live to hate you. A crazy coworker who lives to hate you. How many of you have a crazy cousin who hates you? Raise your hand. You got a crazy cousin. Raise your hand. Anybody got a crazy cousin? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, that means you're the crazy cousin. Okay? <laughs> nice to meet you. Right? Nice to meet you. We all have somebody in our lives. If not, then man, maybe you're just in a bubble. But there's going to be people who hate you. And Jesus says, no, love them. Do good to them. You seek out in ways to go be of and beyond loving them. Do good to those who hate you. You all with me? The Bible even says, Jesus said in, in Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, it says it, when you do something good for people, it's like leaping, burning coals on their head. Right? So the, the wrong mindset, the wrong heart is, I'm going to do good to the people who hate me so God will burn them. No, that's, that's not... What it is, is they hate you, you love them, you do good to them, and let God take care of the rest. Y'all with me? The second initiative that Jesus says is, bless those who curse you. This one's simple. This is that scenario being played out where someone comes up to you, and they say, man, have you, did you know that so-and-so is saying this, this, and that about you? And so when you hear the word chew, you know it's probably gossip and not real, right? C-H-U, instead of Y-O-U. Do you know what they're saying about you? Right? They're saying this and they're saying that. They're saying you're no good for this, blah, blah, blah. Has anyone had this happen to you? Right? 
And, and so the worldly response is, where are they at? Right? Jesus says, man, you bless those who curse you. You bless them. In, in that same scenario, man, you say, well, that's weird. I, I, I know them. They're awesome. That, that doesn't sound like them. I, 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 know, I know him. I know her. Uh, they're probably, they might be going through something. You know, I, they're awesome. I, I know that's not what they meant. Something's going on. So when, when you bless those who curse you, it's you seeking out a way to uplift them. Not to retaliate cursings for cursings. Is that hard? Mm. That is hard. You seek ways to say something positive. And this literally goes hand in hand with the next one. It says, pray for those who abuse you. The mindset of the world says, you curse those who curse you. You abuse those who abuse you. But Jesus commands us to take the initiative to do the opposite. Find something positive to say about them. Who curses you and bless them. Speak a blessing. And then he comes in. Jesus says this. Pray for those. And this is a literal, literal abuse. This isn't figurative. This is when someone abuses you, you pray for them. Why? Because you can't hate someone that you're praying for God to do something in their life. Y'all see that? And this is a moment of honesty, right? If you put me on a pedestal, I'm, I'm not a good superhero, okay? I struggle with this. There's been many bad things that's happened to my family from people that we were really close to. And I struggle with this. The people who have abused my family. And I have to pray for them. For many years, I've struggled with this. But until I've seen this command that Jesus has on my life, to pray for those who abuse us. Once I saw that, I had no right to not pray for a man for Jesus to save me. Y'all with me? Pray for those who abuse you. And so do you guys see how upside down the kingdom mindset is here? Do you guys see how, how, why people hated Jesus? Nobody wants to hear this. Right? The Pharisees hated him because they had it all figured out. It just goes, no, no, it's upside down of what you think it is. And he goes against this natural way of thinking and the way the world views love. But let's keep digging because Jesus didn't stop with initiatives, okay? Um, he gives us some reactions that we need to also be taking uh, in order to react in love. You guys ready? Verse 29. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Okay, we'll stop there. Well, no, we'll do third. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. Okay? And and so for us to fully grasp it, because there's so many ways that um, you can take these scriptures and kind of misinterpret them, right? Uh, When I was a kid, I got into a fight and my pastor told me, um, Donnie, you have four cheeks to turn, then you handle your business, right? And I'm not saying that's wrong, right? Um, But Jesus kind of has a different idea of what turning the cheek means. And so so let me tell you a little bit about history, okay? In the book of John, uh, in his account of this, he goes a little deeper in what Jesus is saying. Okay, Jesus, right, gets a little more extensive. He, Jesus is telling his disciples that they are going to, at some point, be kicked out of the synagogue. You guys with me? Y'all stay with me now. Okay, they, they were going to be kicked out of the synagogue. It's coming for them. 
This is prophecy. This is going to happen. And over and over and over and over again, you get these messages from Christ to Christians saying, there's going to be some type of element of suffering in your future. Right? Over and over. There, there's, it's coming for you. If you are going to follow Jesus Christ and be obedient to Him, suffering is coming for you. You cannot deny it. You can't avoid it. The Bible promises a servant is not above his master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you even more. All right? You guys with me? And so what Jesus is saying, look, listen, you are going to be kicked out of the synagogue. And being kicked out of the church in those days is way different than being kicked out of the church in these days. Because in these days, you get kicked out of the church, you just go find another one. No problem. There's, there's 30 down the street. Right? You got baptism, whatever, whatever you want to do, go for it. Get kicked out, go find another church. In these days, man, that is not the case. In these days, when you were kicked out of the synagogue, you lost your networking, you lost your food source. Most of the time, your family said, I'm done with you. You became absolutely zero nothing in the community's eyes. You were the outcast. And, and as they were celebrating this ceremony of kicking you out in these days, isn't that kind of twisted? Right? They were doing the ceremony to kick you out. Right before they let you left the building, the high priest, whoever was the high priest then, would come and he would open slap you across the face. He would strike you against the chief. And, and, and that, what that was, was that was a way for them to disgrace you on your way out. You guys with me? Now, I'm from the hood. Okay? I can say that because I really am. I would much rather be punched square in the nose, in the throat, or the stomach than to be slapped across my face. Here's why. As little kids growing up in the hood, you can call us any name you want. You can push us as hard as you want. Nothing will happen until you slap someone across the face, and then it's, you better call your mama because I'm about to hurt you. Right? It's a whole different ball game when somebody slaps you. Has anyone ever been slapped? Raise your hand if you've been slapped before. If you haven't, you need to be slapped. Okay? It's just, it's just a good waking up for you. Right? You won't die from being slapped. Right? Everyone now and then. I, hey, I'm in the ministry of slapping. If you want me to slap you, I'll slap you. I'll make it nice and gentle as hard as you want. Right? I, I'm okay with that. Here's the deal. Jesus is the great example of this. I mean, and they came to arrest Jesus. Okay? Y'all remember this, right? They, they come to arrest Jesus. And, and, and they, they bound him. And, and they're, they're questioning him illegally. They're supposed to have two witnesses right then and there. Right? And, and, and they're, they're beating Jesus. And they're, and they're, and they're striking him. Right? And, and he, all he does is go, hey, where are the other witnesses at that you're supposed to have? If you're going to do this, do it right. And the high priest in that moment struck Jesus across the field. And, and they drug him to the courts, and they beat him, and they struck him, and they sped on him, and they mocked him. And not once did Jesus ever go, no, I, I'm done now. Jesus even said, if I wanted, I can call a legion of angels and kill every single one of you if I wanted. They struck him, and he asked for more. So, so Jesus isn't giving us something that he hasn't practiced, Amen. This is future. He's telling them, this is going to happen. And little do we know that it actually happens to Jesus. Mm. 
Then he goes on to say, look, if they take your cloak, don't refuse to throw off your, your tunic as well. Little history of that. Our wardrobe now is a little different than theirs back then. Amen, right? Amen. Now our wardrobe, right? we can go in the closet and there's 10 or 15 coats, some hoodies, some flannels, right? Because it's getting colder, right? And, and these days, this, this cloak, man, it was their outer garment. And really what that would do for them is it would double up as a blanket for them. Did y'all know that? And so what would happen is first century Christians, what they would have to go through is people coming and stealing their cloaks for them. If you follow Jesus, give me your cloak. And they wanted the Christians to feel the sting of winter so that they would feel abandoned by God for what they believe in. And so Jesus said, look, when they take your tunic or their cloak, don't refuse your shirt. Slap you on the cheek. Turn to other. Give. Don't retaliate. Love. Love them. Give them your shirt. What is Je- Jesus is preparing these Christians. Look, they're going, this is going to happen. You're going to be kicked out. They're going to slap you. They're going to persecute you. And he's going, when that happens, when someone comes and persecutes you on account of me, love them. Let me do the retaliation. Love them. Love them. I'm not hearing any amens today. That's all right. Verse 30. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. So this, this isn't talking about some carn artist. Okay? This is talking about a non-believer, someone who is not a Christian, who knows that you're a Christian, who follows the Lord, reads their Bible, they know that if they have a need, you're going to try to help them. And so they're going to abuse that. You see what I'm saying here? This isn't, this isn't a car. This is someone who deliberately knows they can take advantage of you because you're a Christian. They know that you'll give, so they actually have no intention on giving back. What does Jesus say to that? Give. Give it away. Give it. Then he goes, those who take away your goods, don't demand them back. Once again, I'll make it short. Jesus is warning them. In the first century Christians, after Jesus has died and resurrected, is in heaven, the, these first century Christians had these people coming in and ransacking their homes, taking everything, their food, everything, taking it from them. And Jesus says, this is how you behave. Love. You love. You love. You love. It's coming. It's coming. Love. Let me retaliate. You love. Okay? And so, how many of you, if right before you accepted Christ, if someone preached this, would you still want to be a Christian? Right? I mean, this, this sounds crazy, right? And as well it should. Right? But, so why do we have to go through these things? Why is Jesus telling us to go through this? Why, why is he saying, turn the cheek, get more abuse? Why is Jesus saying, give when they just take from you? Here's why. Look at verse 31. Does anyone know what verse 31 is? By the way, what's it called? This is, this is taught literally throughout the whole world. Thank you. And as you wish that others would do to you, you do so to them. Right here. I mean, do unto others as you would want done to you. So what this means is, listen to me. Y'all look at me. 
what this means is. Why do you go through all this hate and abuse and cursing and people stealing and taking advantage from you? Why do you go through that? Why Jesus is doing that is because when you think about it, if you were in their situation, if you were on the outside of God's grace, if you were on the outside of God's forgiveness, if you were on the outside of God's love, how would you want Christians, men and women who follow Jesus, how would you want them to love you? How would you want men and women that follow Jesus Christ, that knows the gospel, how would you want them treating you if you were on the outside? In all of your hate, and all of your evil, all of your abusiveness, how would you want men and women who follow Jesus to treat you? And, and so what that, what that leads to is how do we treat people? How, how are you treating your enemies? Right? Because love makes this demand. Love, love can't just be shown in words. Amen? Right? Because I can say a lot of things. Right? I, I'm, I'm pretty quick with my tongue. Right? And Lucy, this is what, what's awesome about Lucy. Lucy's way different than any other girl I've ever dated. Right? Um, girls I've dated, I what's up, girl? What's your name? Right? Lucy hates that. She show me. Show me you love me. Come sit down and have, a, have an hour conversation with me, right? Right? And I, but I do it because I love her. So love makes us demand that we show people we love them, not just with our words, but also in deed, in our actions, right? This godly kingdom mindset of love, right? It, it returns good for evil. It doesn't exchange evil for more evil, right? People hate Christians. People hate us. They talk crazy about us. And most of the time it's because of our own doing. But Jesus says, you respond in the same way that you would want to be treated if you were on the outside. If you didn't know what it felt like to have peace from Jesus, you treat people that way. Would you want Christians telling you how evil you are? Or would you rather them tell them how good I am? Would you rather have Christians tell you that you should die and go to hell because of your wickedness? Would you rather have a Christian tell you, man, God can forgive anybody. If he's forgiven me, he can forgive anyone. How you treat people. Y'all with me? And so here, here's what we need to, before we move forward, Jesus, right? Because he's about to explain some more reasons why we should do this. And, and, but what, I need to understand, what y'all need to understand is, when Jesus is talking about enemies here, he's not talking about other Christians. Okay? He's talking about Lost people, people who do not follow Jesus Christ, okay? There's a whole different way to love, according to Scripture, your Christian brothers and sisters, okay? And, and it's a little more harsh on other Christians than it is on unbelievers, right? And at some point, we'll get to that, because I, I love it, okay? Um, some of y'all need to be loved a little more harshly, amen? All right? And like I said, I'm still in the slapping ministry, so y'all let me know. So anyways... Let's continue to dig. Verse 32. It says this. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. 
Verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And why? Your reward will be great. And you will be the son, sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Alright, so, so why do we go through this? Why, I mean, why does Jesus want us to go through this abuse and this hate? And why don't we retaliate? Why can't we just, just retaliate a little bit, right? Here's why. Did you guys notice how many times Jesus said benefit right there? Right? Jesus, this is why, look, it's for your own benefit. What benefit is it that you just love people who love you? What benefit is it for you if you do good to those who only do good? Everyone in the world does that. Right? Everyone loves people who love them. Right? How many of you are friends with someone who hates you? No. That's crazy. You are friends and you love and you do good things for those people who love you. Jesus is saying, what benefit is that? That benefits nothing. Everybody does that. Jesus says, though, in verse 35, when you love your enemies and do good and give and expect nothing, your reward will be what? Great. This isn't some prosperity gospel, but this is prosperity. Right? And, and if I, I don't know about you, but if the maker of the universe told me, Donnie, if you love like this and go through all of this, your reward is going to be great, I'm going to listen. I'm going to trust the maker of the universe. Right? And, and so here's, here's the deal. We don't, I don't think this is Jesus going, um, if you do this, things are going to be good right here, right now. But here's, here's the deal, though. Love, when you love someone rather than hate them and, and return their hate for your hate, when you choose to love them, love has the power to transform anybody. Right? Y'all believe that? I mean, love can literally transform families. Restore relationships and marriages. Love can literally transform entire societies. So when you choose to love someone rather than hate them, that's a reward. Getting to see what, what God does to them. That's not good enough for some of you all though, right? Jesus, look, he's saying, look, you, you have this greater reward in heaven. Amen? That, that we strive, everything that we do here, we're striving to receive this crown uh, full of jewels, and that one day we get to throw that crown at Jesus' feet. That's what we're working for. Praise God, right? But he said, this will benefit you more than you think. Knowing that, he said, you will be considered sons of the Most High God. Listen to me. You guys were, everyone in here, you were created for the sole purpose of following God, giving your life to Him, and making Him known amongst the whole world. Right? That's your entire purpose. If you ever wonder, what am I doing here? What is my life for? I'm going to tell you right now. It's to make God famous. And, while, and how God's sole purpose for that is so that everyone would know His love. And the main tool he uses to do that, to spread his love and to spread his name and to spread his glory and to spread his grace is you. It's you. Gosh, what's going on, guys? John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus even says, I give you a new command that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you too love everyone else. Why? So that when people see it, they will know you are my disciples. If you love me. If you love others. Right? So Jesus is going, look, if you want to see something crazy happen to your enemies, to those who hate you, love them. 
Why? Because then you will show them nothing uh, but the reflection of God Almighty Himself. You will be considered sons and daughters of the King. That's a Mago Dei image of God. We were created in God's image to be a reflection of Him in this world. So when someone hates you, man, you, it's like holding a mirror and you're just showing them God. This is God's reflection. I love you. You hate me. I, I love you. You curse me, man. You're awesome. Right? They have slapped the cheek. You turn the other. And my God, my God, my God did this. You are called to be images, reflections of God Almighty. And that's reflected in how you love someone. Y'all with me? The rest of this verse, right, says this, or God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Verse 36, be merciful even as your father is what? Merciful. Okay. Did anybody else think that I read that wrong? That God is kind to the righteous and the grateful, right? No. God is merciful for the ungrateful and the wicked. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not like our world. Praise God for that. He's, this is okay. Here's how he's, I wasn't going to talk about this. I'll talk about it real quick. Okay? Two ways God is kind and grateful and, and merciful to the ungrateful and the evil. You ready? This first one is called common grace. Has anyone ever heard of common grace? This is what common grace is. Everyone in the entire universe right now, okay? There's someone on Mars. They're experiencing this too, okay? In Earth, every human being is experiencing God's common grace. They get to enjoy His creation. They get to eat food that God created. They get to breathe air that God controls with His hand, right? They get to experience sunshine. They get to enjoy the benefits of having gravity hold you to the ground so you don't float off into outer space and explode. That's called common grace. Regardless if you love God or hate God, follow God or despise Him, that's common grace. Everyone experiences that. Y'all with me? But the second way God intends to be merciful and kind to those who hate Him, who are ungrateful for His grace and mercy, the second way that He shows them grace and mercy and kindness is you. It's you loving them. Not the ones who are good sitting in church next to you. Those who are terrorists, who are murderers, who are rapists, who hate you, who despise you, who spit on you, who steal from you. God created you to show His grace and His kindness and His mercy to them. Y'all seen them? This isn't my. This isn't me. This is Jesus. So if you're upset about that, take it up with Him. Right? This is how God shows His love to the ungrateful and the evil. And the best human example of somebody going through these things and living it out is someone we celebrate every January. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Right? Right? You guys, are you guys following me here? Right? Every, every year we celebrate his birth, right? And there literally has not been a movement um, based on love and no retaliation like the movement of the civil rights led by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. There has... Listen, 
Y'all know that's a Christian movement, right? That was called on the basis of love and equality. Okay? So I'm talking about you got men and women who were persecuted for their beliefs in Jesus and their beliefs in God's love and their beliefs that the Bible says we were created equally in God's image. They were persecuted. They were hated. They were pulled from restaurants and beaten, lynched, set dogs on them. Fire hose, water, rushing and splitting these people. Not once was there a a retaliation of evil for evil. This peaceful protest led by love. Exchanging love for more abuse if it gets the job done. Was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. perfect? No. You crazy? No one's perfect. But I want you to think, if Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did not read his Bible, see the command that Jesus gave him to love those who hate him, to serve and pray for those who abuse him, to turn the other cheek and let God handle the retaliation. If he did not do that, look at how messed up our society would be right now. How screwed up even more it would be. Hmm? The next example, the only real example, Jesus Christ himself, right? Who did Jesus die for? Who did, who did, he, who did he, I mean, suffer for? His enemies. You're not wrong. You said us. Yeah, that's his enemies. Your sin makes you an enemy of God. Right? And so Jesus comes, and, and, and who puts him to death? The same people he came here to serve. Right? The, the ones that mocked him, abused him. When, when he said, I, I literally could bring angels down and kill everybody, he did not do it. He went through more abuse. He said, Father, forgive He prayed for those who abused him. Father, forgive them. Why? For they do not know what they do. He prayed. I mean, he's practicing what he's preaching, right? They stripped him naked, gambled his clothes off. And not once did he say, hey, apologize to me. Not once did he go, give me my stuff back and some more. He took it on. He willingly allowed it. He didn't demand rights. He didn't demand um, repayment. Jesus gave his life for sinners so that while we were his enemies, through his love for us, we might become his friends. That we might, through His love and His grace and His mercy and everything that He endured, might become sons and daughters of the King. Y'all see this? So listen. We were His enemies. Jesus loved us. And by loving us, He enables us to love Him back. And then strengthen us through the Holy Spirit to love those who are ungrateful and evil and wicked. And we're called to love as we would want to be loved. And just like if we were on the outside, how we would want to be treated by Christians. And, and so what's this application for us, right? It's real easy. Like at verse 27. There's your application. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. For the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. 
And as you wish that others would do to you, if you were on this outside, do so to them. Application, be active in your words and in your deeds towards your enemies. Don't live, act, think, or love as the world tells you to love. We're, we're not, if, you, if, if you're a Christian, raise your hand. I want to see it. Praise God, right? You are no longer just a citizen of a great state, the great country of America. You are now a kingdom citizen. So your citizenship is in heaven, which means you live by heaven's standards while here on earth so that you can, you know, that whole thing, your, uh, that will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That comes real when you live it out. We love as Jesus calls us to love. Right, and I'm, I promise I'm done. Okay? Here's, here's, here's how I am. It's easy for me to go live like Jesus, live like Jesus, be like Jesus. Right? Um, but what's bad about that and how, how that's bad preaching is Jesus is literally God in the flesh. Right? And, and he can do anything. Right? And, and so it's not enough for me to tell you, go love your enemies. That's, that's not enough. Okay? What needs to happen is if you have a certain love barrier for people who um, are not like you, who are not Christian, who hate you, who persecute you, who abuse you, what needs to happen, yes, live like Jesus did and how he commands you to, but you have to have a crying out for the Holy Spirit to empower you to do that. Outside of that, outside of God's power, you are not going to be able to go through with this. It ain't going to happen. And so the application, yes, live as Jesus clearly commands us to. Not suggests us to, commands us to. But you have to cry out to the Holy Spirit to help you do that. Right? And we're going to have a moment for you to do that here in a second. If you're not a Christian here today, here's your application. How do you love people? Right? Do, do you love the people that love you? And that's it? But Jesus said there's no benefit in that. And if you're not a Christian, even if you somehow summed up enough power to love one of your enemies, it's still not enough to make you in right standing with God. The only way for you to be in right standing with God, to not be an enemy of God, to understand his grace and mercy is through Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And what we're going to do today is celebrate. This is Lord's communion, right? Lord's Supper. Right? And what we're going to do is we're literally going to celebrate as believers in Jesus Christ how he showed his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And so if you're not a Christian in here today, you can experience this love that we've been singing songs about all morning. You can experience this forgiveness and this grace and this mercy and this kindness when you don't deserve it. All you have to do is come and surrender to Jesus. Huh? And so I'm going to have Miss Charlotte and Camille come up, and, and this we're going to do things a little different this morning. The Bible clearly tells us, okay, when you practice the Lord's Supper, when you do communion, before you partake, this is, and by the way, this is for Christians, all right? If, if you're not a believer in here, this, this would just be kind of weird for you, all right? And I'll explain it to you um, if you want after church, but... Christians, the Bible tells us before you partake in the Lord's Supper, in communion, you have to examine your heart first. There has to be an examine you literally looking inside of your heart to see if you are matching up with the kingdom of God's standards. It, it, the, the commands of God. If there's something in your heart, if you hate somebody, the Bible says you need to handle that before you partake in this. Right? And so what we're going to do is, I'm going to have Charlotte play just for about a minute or two. 
And it's just going to be an open invitation for all Christians to come to the altar, examine your heart, and lay down whatever it is that's holding you back from following Jesus even more. Huh? Examine your heart. See where you're at. For those of you who need to make a decision for Jesus, you, need to, you want to join the church, or, or you want to rededicate your life, or if you, as a non-believer, you're like, man, I, I think I need to follow Jesus, I'm going to be standing right here. I already hit my knees this morning. I already had to get right before I even came out here to preach. I'll be standing right here. If you need to make a decision for Jesus, come meet me here. But just for a minute or two, we're just going to have the altar open. Come examine your heart, lay it down, get right with the Lord, and then we'll partake in the Lord's Supper. Amen? Y'all, y'all close your eyes. I'll pray and, and you can move as you feel led.